all that stuff that uh, that guy just said before Gary came on, uh, don't pay any attention to that because we're done tomorrow, okay? Tomorrow's like the last day. Tony Beam, Director of Church and Community Engagement for the Tim Brazier Campus of North Greenville University where Christ makes the difference and where we are equipping transformational leaders for the church and society. I also serve as Director of Public Policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention and I'm the Interim Pastor at Five Forks Baptist Church in Simpsonville. We meet at 1030 on Sunday mornings, so come join us if you don't have a church home. If you have a church home, go to your church home. But if you don't, come see us because we got a great church and I'd love to meet you and um, it'd be fun. Hannah Miller, ladies and gentlemen, is in the house. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian. This is Hannah Miller, informed and unafraid. Wow. Wow. I, I think it's it been at least, it, oh, it's been a while yeah. since I was on here saying that. <laughs> I did it, not it know that your title, you could have more responsibilities since the last time I was on the show, but it feels like that list of responsibilities uh, has just gotten longer and longer. I've just, I've just gotten better at saying it. You know, oh, yeah? I can just, yeah, I can just rattle it off because it's stuck to my brain. And, uh, you know, you're you're um, done doing this show tomorrow, but it's still every morning you're going to have to wake up and say it. You know, you, you're yeah, not going to be able to feel like you can function. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to go through the whole thing yeah. on the, because we've only got an hour. <laughs> so we're cutting, you know, gonna... cutting back to an hour. Um, but, yeah, starting Monday... Uh, if you're looking for this program, you can still find it. It's very important that you know this. Um, his Radio Talk 91.9, his Radio Talk 89.7 is going to come to an end tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night at midnight, to be exact, that's when the switch gets flipped and it'll become his radio classic. So it'll be, um, you know, Christian contem- contemporary music from the early age of Christian music for most people, the 1985 to, say, 2000s, you know, in that vicinity. So um, that's, it's something you're going to enjoy. But if you want this program, um, I'm going to hang around for a while. Just go to drtonybeam.com. That's drtonybeam.com. And you'll be able to listen live from 730 to 830. And then if you go and sign up for the podcast, which is free, you can get it for nothing, Best things in life are free. So you can have it downloaded to your smart device, and you can listen to it at your leisure. It'll be about an hour. It's going to be 55, 56 minutes, probably not quite an hour. Um, Like most podcasts, uh, I'll pick. And and the name of the show, by the way, is going to be uh, Truth in Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam. So it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to focus in on probably three stories, and I'll flesh them out for you. Uh, talk about what they are, why they're important, uh, suggest some ways that you may want to think about them. Um, and it'll be thoughtful. Uh, you can email me, and I, I still don't have the – I think it's – now I'm not going to tell you because I'm, I'm not positive. But we do. I do have an email address that's associated to, with the program that you'll be able to – I can see it'll it. It'll be on your website, right? Yeah. So just I'll, go to the website. You can go to the website. Everything's on the website now. DrTonyBeam.com, DrTonyBeam.com. All right, Susan's on the phone. Susan, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Beam. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I just wanted to call in and say that uh, I'm going to miss you, Dr. Beam, and I'm glad to see you again, Hannah. And uh, I just hope that uh, everything will go well. I'm going to keep an eye on for your podcast. And uh, Thank you. I just wanted to call early in the morning because my neighbor and I are going to go out for a run. We're training to run a 5K you know, at Spartanburg in May. Yes. Good for you. Absolutely. Well, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Susan. I appreciate you being a good listener over the years. 
Yeah, a lot, lot of years and a lot of comments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Comments are great. Um, I, I, I appreciate you having them and putting them up there very much. Okay. All right. Well, have a great day. Good to see you both. Yep. Thanks. Appreciate it. Comments are um, like media. There is no bad. You know, it's, it's there's no bad media because it all brings attention to you. Yeah. Comments are kind of the well. Same as, way, as long as everybody behaves. Yeah. We, we have had some comments that we've had to deal with. Yeah. Because there are you know. They were not being nice. But we, but, and, and the essence of Christianity is learning how to communicate with each other, mm-hmm. speaking the truth in love. I mean, Which I is a lost art. Uh, it, it is. I mean, but, you know, although we say it's a lost art, but I'm not really ever sure it was something that was full. It, it's never been fully attained because we're not, you know, glorified yet <laughs> and fully right. sanctified. Right. So all of history in humanity is. But there have been times in our culture and in our, in our world where we've been better at it than where we yeah, are now. But, but at least... You know what I would what I would say about that is at least we had the goal. We all agreed that this is the way we should yes. behave. And so if we got outside the lines, then we immediately tried to get back in because mm-hmm. we wanted to behave in a way that was civil, that was respectful. And now that's considered weak. So in other words, it's you, people are not even looking for that as the goal. The goal is to see how mean and nasty and insulting and uh, degrading that you can actually be. And so mm-hmm. that's bad. Well, it's, so. uh, you know, I think there's, and speaking from the conservative th- side of things, there's this uh, competition to own the libs, but we don't want to own the libs. We want to win the arguments and we want to persuade uh, folks to our side and not just have these zingers all the time. But it's just a resp- it's, it's the equal and opposite reaction to how folks have been treated from the left all of this time. And it shouldn't, we shouldn't respond that way. We're still responsible for how we respond to things, and we need to do well, I'm, better I'm in glad, how we respond. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the argument I get all the time. Well, this is how they they play the game, right. and if we don't play the game that way, we're not even going to be able to mm-hmm. to be on the field. And I'm like, no, you you don't understand. We the referee. Remember the referee? Mm-hmm. It's a sovereign God who sets the mm-hmm. rules and determines the playing field. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to play according to the way God wrote the book. Yeah, Tony Evans gives a great illustration of that, and he uses pro football. He says, you know, you got two football teams out there, and they're trying to absolutely run over each other, dominate each other. One team's trying to beat the other. He said, but there's a, there's a group of guys running around in striped shirts, and they have the most power on the field. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they know the book. Mm-hmm. And everybody has to play the game according to the book. And if you don't play according to the book, you get penalized. You get kicked out of the game. You get. And he said, we as Christians think that we're the players on the field. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're the people with the book. And we're supposed to be pointing people to the way the game is supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do that, and sometimes we don't. And then sometimes we do it. I don't, you, you and I had this conversation a lot about David French. Well, mm-hmm. since you were on the show, you know, I kept following David French and reading David French, and I subscribed to the Dispatch. And then all of a sudden, he's a columnist for the New York Times. Yeah. And then you start looking at his writing. So you, I, I'm sure in his mind, he mm-hmm. thinks he's the same guy that he was, he's always been. that he's always been. But if, but me, I'm going back and I'm looking at what the way he said things and what he said like three mm-hmm. or four years ago, and he's completely transformed himself because he just kept drifting over, and now he's making arguments. It's it's one thing to be intelligently 
a, a critiquer of progressive thought. Mm-hmm. But there's a line between being a critiquer and being a promoter. And he's kind of crossed that line in mm-hmm. some ways. And I like him still, uh, I, but I don't. I don't depend on him anymore. I don't. He's not the name that comes up that I say, okay, I'm going to get some wisdom over here. Right. Because I'm not mm-hmm. You know, the problem with all of this is I think that, you know, this, this debate that we just started out big this morning, uh, this discussion of where is the line when you're talking about engaging in culture, engaging in politics, all of these things, you know, between being too strong and too soft um, yeah. is, is very difficult for Christians to navigate, especially today when it feels like everybody in the political sphere and the culture is so polarized. Where do we where do we find that that biblical balance? And the reason that Christians fall all over that spectrum to, you know, to one side or the other is I, I think that we just we don't know the word. We don't know the word of God like we should. And we are not able to discern the the good and right way yeah. because too Far few of us spend or devote any significant amount of time to studying and pursuing the heart of God through his word. And, you know, and that sounds so cliche to say, but the reality is, is I think that we could find, now I think there's grace there because it's not like there's anywhere in the Bible that just says, okay, when you're engaging in politics, this is the, this is too harsh and this is too soft. It doesn't say that anywhere. Um, So there is some variance there. And I think we can have grace for folks who maybe would come down on a certain topic stronger than you and I would or a certain aspect stronger than you and I would um, but still at the end of the day there's it feels like there is just a further driving away from finding the balance yeah and, well and I think that's important because we, we if we're going to change people's minds that's our only hope I mean if, mm-hmm. if, if all you do with the way you speak is drive a person deeper into their own belief system mm-hmm. instead of pulling them closer to the truth then you're not really accomplishing anything for the kingdom. Right. Well, and so and you like you said that is a look, let here's what I would say. Always let it be the truth that drives them away. Mm-hmm. Don't let it be you. Mm-hmm. In other words, do, don't in the way that you present the truth, be winsome to the point that they have to get mad at what you're saying, not who you are. Right. One of my favorite verses when it comes to communications is actually Ephesians 4. And I just forgot, uh, four, uh, it's in the chat, it's in chapter four, talking about communications and the verse numbers just left me. But it, the scripture talks about when you're speaking with one another, we should be, it should be edifying. It should be gracious as to the moment. And I think that's the part of communicating with one another that we forget because there's some things that are true and they're edifying, but they're not appropriate for the moment. And we need to find that moment. And unfortunately, and I don't like to blame everything on the Internet because a lot of things, it's just a, you know, it just uh, gives a megaphone to our sin nature, social media and the Internet. But uh, the Internet exacerbates that of us getting a feel for when is the right moment. Because a lot of times as Christians, as hum- people, we're able to discern uh, if something is going to be edifying and whether something is going to be is right for the moment when we're face to face with people. Well, and here's uh, this goes. This is not the exact passage you were talking about, but from Ephesians four, because this came to my mind is therefore having put away falsehood. Let mm-hmm. each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Now, let's, if we stopped right there, that's a great verse. 
uh, put away falsehood, speak truth with your neighbor. Mm -hmm. But then he gives you the reason that you're supposed to do that. For we are members one of another. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're all members of the human race mm-hmm. here. We're, we're all created in God's image. We're not all God's children. We get adopted through the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we don't, become, we don't become God's children by being born, but we are created in God's image by being born. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to understand that we're members of one another, and therefore respect and the way we treat each other is extremely important. Ephesians 4.29. I knew it was, I wanted to say 29, but 429, I was saying uh, 4.29, yes. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. We, we know that first part, uh, but a few of us kind of focus in on the second part of that verse. The grace. Uh, that, yeah. you know, it's what's helpful for the moment. I mean, there's a lot of times I'm sitting across folks in the counseling room and I want to tell them something. I'm like, no, they don't need to hear that right now. Well, they're not ready. They're not you, ready. You to could, hear, right. You, right. It's the wrong moment. Right. And like I said, because of the Internet, it's hard to discern those moments. And so I think sometimes we just say things and it's like, no, nah, that, that wasn't the right. Probably wasn't the right moment. How, how long did uh, we do that? Was it three or four years? Three and a half. Three and so, a half. Yeah, okay. right in between there. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to think the other day how long that actually I came in place. once a day, once a week. For, for a while for forever yeah. and then i came i started coming in start coming every you day you lost your mind and well, said, no, can you come it, in look, can you come in more? it was great it just uh but it just got to be too much for you i started feeling bad about it because i'm like you know you started feeling well, bad about I, it no i mean bad about you having to do everything you had to do to get here i mean i had to get up and put on my clothes and occasionally take a shower and come in to do the show that was about it and you were trying to find babysitters. You were trying to figure out how to get, I mean, it was, and plus you had about a, what, 45, 50 minute drive. Yeah, so, a 50 minute drive. It was just, it got to be too much, but it, it was, was a lot, lot of fun. It was so a I'm lot of fun. I'm glad you could come back. We could do it again. My mom kept trying to get me, us to move up here so I could just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she Good was for fan, mom. So I know. I always liked your mom. But I know. Yeah. Don't we all? Yes. But yeah, I was like, uh, I don't think I can just yeah. make the move for the, the amazing Carlotta. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're going to talk about some examples of speech that this this would be a no. Since we talked about good ways to speak, uh, we'll give you some examples of how not to do it. This is a guy named Stephen uh, Shaviro, and he's a professor, an English professor of all things, at Wayne State University. And after the kerfuffle over uh, a professor who, um, I can't remember the story now, there was, there was a, a person invited uh, to come and speak at Stanford. Stanford. Okay, I was yeah. going to ask, is this a Stanford story? Yeah, it's the Stanford story. Yeah. That, the Stan- they're, they're, these are different. But the Stanford story, the, the, and, and there was a, an, a diversity officer or a diversity dean of, a, of diversity at the meeting that was supposed to allow this person to be able to speak what they wanted to say and be heard and not shouted down by the students. And instead of doing that, they took opportunity. They got everybody's attention. She got everybody's attention and then took the opportunity to berate Mm -hmm. the speaker and to encourage the students to shout the speaker down. And so they did. The speaker didn't get to speak. And then the diversity dean got suspended. So this kind of got magnified by this English professor at Wayne State University who put out this 
uh, oh, did you follow up to that, though? Did you hear that they're also doing, like, um, diversity training for all the students? They're making a whole yeah. bunch of them come in and, and yes. talk. And, and not diversity, like DEI diversity. They're like, hey, look, we got to have some civility here. And, you know, what does it actually mean in Stanford and in the law? Uh, so, anyway, it's just very interesting that they're well, doing that. And, but. And, yeah, and this is, it, in other words, and we talked about this when we talked about it on the show. It's been a while. But it's the right kind of diversity yeah, training. exactly. It's actually teaching them not to look or focus or concentrate on everybody's differences, but it's teaching people on how to understand those differences and listen to them mm-hmm. and respect them instead of advocating for them. Right. And that's, that's, that's the whole problem. So this Wayne, Wayne State University professor, he puts out this tweet and says, although I do not advocate violating federal and state criminal codes, he proceeds to then violate federal and state criminal codes by adding, I think it's far more admirable to kill a racist, homophobe, or transphobic speaker than it is to shout them down. So you're actually doing the world a favor if you just go ahead and kill them. Forget about, we need to step over the part where we disagree respectfully and just move straight to murder. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he got suspended. Well, the, and, and he was suspended immediately by the president. Um, I saw the president's name here a minute ago, Roy Wilson. So kudos to Roy. But here's my question. How long is he going to be suspended? Mm-hmm. See, this. what happens is people get put on a shelf until the storm goes by. Yep. This is almost and, – and a better illustration would be, you know, if you live in Kansas, you probably have a tornado shelter. So when the tornado comes, you go get in the shelter – and you let everything get torn up, and then you come out and help rebuild everything. But you're still, you, I mean, you're still there. That's that's what's going to happen. To this and you guy. rebuild everything exactly the way it the was the way before. that it was before, or mm-hmm. even use it as an opportunity to make things more crazy mm-hmm. than they were before the storm came through. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to fix it and be better, you you go back to the old ways and make them worse. Mm-hmm. So I. I suspect that that's what's going to happen with this guy. And the problem with that is, you know, you and I are able to, we look at that and we're horrified, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of young people out there who have been trained to think that this, you know, what did he say, racist, homophobe, what was the other one? Um, transphobe. Transphobe. Yeah. That, that those three categories are the ultimate victims in our society and they need the ultimate defense and the ultimate defense, because they're the ultimate victim, would be, you know, not just words. Not to, That's not enough. You're right. We do need to be going out guns blazing to defend these folks because of their victim status and how victimized they've been. They're, they're the, you know, the weakest of the weak. We got to defend them. This is the right thing to do. This is honorable. This brings, gives us value and a sense of, uh, you know, being heroic. See, that's how our culture has, and, and so they see it that way completely, whereas you and I see it entirely from the other perspective. And so now you have to ask yourself, can those two ways of thinking live alongside one another? Well, we can 
if we don't call for violence. I mean, if you but but if you're going to say, you know, start saying stuff like this, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple of other examples here. Arizona governor's press secretary, Jocelyn Berry, resigned after tweeting a meme about threatening to shoot transphobes. According to the Associated Press, Berry tweeted an image Monday from the 1980 movie Gloria that depicted a woman with two guns drawn and it bore a caption that read, us when we see transphobes okay well this was a trans this was a, a transgender I always get it backwards is it do you say the gender that they're going to when you say yeah, transgender? I think so. transgender so it's transgender male, male. Yeah, okay so. so this was a transgender male it's a female biological female transgender male that killed six people at this christian school and in the context of that you have a woman with guns drawn with a caption that says, us when we see transphobes. And the, the idea is that everybody at a Christian school, particularly a Presbyterian church in America, is going to believe in a traditional understanding of sexuality. So that makes them transphobes. So this person is really a hero. Mm-hmm. In fact, she's been described as a martyr mm-hmm. by those who are calling for this weekend, by the way, a weekend of vengeance. You know, there, there's a group calling people to come to Washington for a weekend of vengeance, and it's trans uh, transgender people. So, wh- what what is what do you mean a weekend of vengeance? Andy No actually tweeted out right before this happened. I think it was either Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Sunday before the shooting that militant LGBTQ plus etc. We're calling for, you know, uh, violence and we're calling for this yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. And, he, and he said, he said, y'all, you know, basically they're calling for this in response to the Tennessee stuff. Y'all need to be careful out there, blah, blah, blah. And then the very next day we have this happen. And of course, the entire, you know, mainstream media turns a, a, a blind eye to what they're all out there. I mean, they're all out there saying, hey, we're this is vengeance. This is what we're doing. Right. And it's like we're just totally ignoring well, and this what they're was, actually saying. This person had a manifesto. Why is it not published? Yeah, Everybody's manifesto has been published except this one. Mm-hmm. And and we 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 have a right to know. Somebody's going to have to do a FOIA request yeah. and, and get that information out there. I want to know why it's being held. Who's holding it back, too? That's what I want to know. Because it sounded like the police chief was going to, you know, he was ready and no, no, willing. Somebody to, uh, has overridden yes, him. Yes, that's what I think, I, too. I, I, absolutely, I believe that. Because he was, he's talked around the edges of yeah. it, but he won't release the whole thing so Mm -hmm. something i don't i don't and i don't know how far up the chain that goes i'm not going to speculate but i am going to i'm ready to say just like you are somebody Mm -hmm. is pulling that string Mm -hmm. so uh you know and so what do we get here we get matt walsh listen to this the conservative political and cultural commentator matt walsh known for his focus on transgender issues said wednesday he canceled a planned speech due to the threats against his family Both Walsh and the conservative media company The Daily Wire, which he works for, are based in Nashville, Tennessee, where the horrific attack on the Covenant School took place on Monday. The school shooting left six dead, of course we know, and then uh, including three nine-year-olds and was perpetrated, and three 60-something-year-olds, by the way, was perpetrated by 28-year-old Audrey Hale. Uh, And this is what Matt Walsh said. Sadly, I have to postpone my speech at Washington and Lee University due to threats against my family and other serious security concerns in Nashville this week. I cannot leave my family and fly to another state. I hate to push the event off, but my wife and kids come first. So this Mm -hmm. is now if this was flipped in any narrative, Mm -hmm. if you had if, if Matt Walsh 
was out instead of the one who is having to protect his family, if people were protecting their family from Matt Walsh, uh, the media would be all over this. But it's actually conservatives that are in the crosshairs. Look, what happened in Nashville was a terrorist hate crime against Christians. Let's let's not make any mistake here. It was a hate crime. It was terroristic in its methodology. It was a hate crime in its motivation. And so you put those two things together, and that's what it was. And now it's being portrayed as, well, these Christians deserved it. So mm-hmm. because they're homophobic or transphobic or whichever young phobe lady was you're the on. Victim. Yeah. You know, she was the victim. She's lashing out as a victim. And, you know, we need to let her voice be heard. Well, I, I tell you, they, people can. People can play with it. They're, they're playing with fire. I mean, it, it, it is uh, because if you think people are not going to defend themselves against stuff like this, they will. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking about, you know, we're talking about shooting at each other. I, I, you know, and I, that, I'm appalled at that. I think about the guy at uh, Waffle House that morning that came over to me, and I've said it a lot of times on the program, but he, he came over and said, Dr. Bean, don't you think our forefathers would be shooting by now? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I no, but the more we get this kind of rhetoric that's acceptable mm-hmm. in public, and you may say, well, these people got suspended that did this. By the way, the professor at Wayne State got reported to the police mm-hmm. because that was considered to be an open threat, not mm-hmm. against a person, but against a group. And so don't know what the police are going to do with that. But if, if, if suspensions take place and then people are al- they're, they're allowed to come back later, it, like we were talking about earlier, when the storm passes by, then we're not really affecting any kind of change. Or they're not, they don't, they're not labeled kind of a pariah, you know, because the reality is even if that school lets them go, eh, they're just going to find some other place oh, that, that, you know, there's another haven out there for them. Sure. There's not enough places out there that are going to close their doors to these folks so that they actually feel the heat of their choice. Right. Um <laughs> Yeah, today and tomorrow, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be turn out the lights, the party's over, at least here. Uh, his radio talk, 919-897, will uh, cease to be talk radio tomorrow night at midnight. And, of course, tomorrow will be my last show here um, on the station after 21 years. Um, and you can go to drtonybeam.com, drtonybeam.com, and come Monday, April 3rd at uh, 7.30, you can listen live. We're actually, I'm actually going to do an hour of a, a show live that you can listen to via the website, or you can go to YouTube or Facebook and watch it live, or you can download it later as a podcast. It'll be available at Spotify. It'll be available available at the Apple iTunes Store. Wherever you get your podcast, Essentially, you should be able to no find excuses. It. Yeah, there no are no excuses. excuses. No if you excuses. like the show, you can continue. And the way that you've done it before, you can even listening live. It'll just be an hour instead of a two-hour show. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, today's we we got to talk about this too. Today's opening day for baseball, and that's oh. very very important to me. I love baseball. Uh, I look forward to this day. It's like Christmas, Easter, you know, family birthdays, opening day for baseball. It's right up there at the top of the list. In my so, house, it's, it's deer and turkey season. So you oh, said yeah, opening day, yeah. and I was like, what? Yeah, you're thinking, <laughs> I was thinking get the gun, hon. <laughs> it's like, where's the camo? But no, okay, all right, I'm tracking. Uh, no, that we're talking about baseball. Nobody's <laughs> nobody's going to get shot, at uh, we hope, during opening day of baseball. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. The Braves play today at uh, Washington. 
They're playing the Nationals, the game's at 105 this afternoon. And the opening lineup for the Atlanta Braves today, Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Austin Riley. Listen to this. The, we're, we're talking one of the best lineups here as we get through this that the Braves have ever had. Marcel Ozuna, uh, Michael Harris playing center field. Ozzie Albies will be at second base. Sean Murphy will be catching. Eddie Rosario will be in left field. And Orlando Arcia is going to be the shortstop. Now, a lot of people are questioning that. You know, th- they, they thought it was going to be, um, you know, it wasn't going to be Arcia. But he's, going to, he's the guy with the experience. So we're going to start out with him. And, but the Braves are very deep. One of the good things about Atlanta this year is that they've just got a lot of players that can step up if anybody gets hurt or somebody's not working out. Um, so Braves and Washington Nationals today at 105. Okay. Um, you know, I have enough problems with the kind of intelligence I have to worry a whole lot about artificial intelligence. <laughs> no. But, um, you know, we're going to have to start thinking mm-hmm. about artificial intelligence, especially considering the fact that you've got a call for a six-month pause on AI experiments that's coming from the top scientist in the world. I mean, Elon Musk, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, uh, they're the co-authors of this, but a whole bunch of scientists signed on saying that AI systems with human competitive intelligence can pose profound risks to society. Now, don't think about the Terminator, okay? We're not talking about Arnold showing up and shooting up the place and being indestructible. That, that's not what we're talking We're talking about the potential for AI to put a lot of people out of work very quickly, plus the potential to think in a way that that would allow just willy-nilly um, the, the suspension of free speech. I mean, AI could begin to patrol the Internet. I mean, we're talking about mm-hmm. having the ability, apart from human beings, to carry mm-hmm. out actions that would suppress thought and speech from a particular group as well as make it impossible for some people to have a job anymore because of what AI can take over. And here's, here's the problem. Let's, let's set all that aside for a second. What they're saying, without saying it, is that we don't have the moral capacity as human beings to make moral decisions based on, based on what's right to do with this technology so we're out running ourselves. In other words, we're we're losing ground when it comes to our ability to see the difference between right and wrong. And as we lose ground, we're gaining in technology. The combination of those two those those two things, having technology that gets out of bounds because we don't have the moral capacity to rein it in. We're thinking about the wrong things as we think about the technology, and that's really what um, Wozniak and Musk are saying, we've got to take a break until we figure out how to keep this thing in a box that's controlled by people, that the decisions get made by people who have the moral capacity to make them. This reminds me very much of the medical field and a lot of other fields where 
you know, we have to ask ourselves or we have to tell ourselves just because we can doesn't mean we should. <laughs> and yeah. there's a lot of things in science. There's a lot of things in the medical field and research. Um, there's a lot of things in art, as a matter of fact, where I think that we separate ourselves from the humanity of our subject, whether you're in, you know, medical research, whether you're an artist, you're a photographer, you're a graphic designer, or you're whatever. And you're looking at this human being, not as a human, but just as an object uh, that you can, you know, in, in the arts, it's just about how can I pose this this thing uh, for what I envision and you forget that it's a human being who has dignity and then and when you're in science you look at these uh, you know it's, it's what can I what discovery can I make using this thing what br scientific breakthrough can I have using this thing when it's that's a human being or these are animals I mean even even with animals sometimes the things that we do right. to animals in right. scientific research is inhumane and we should not do but we have disassociated ourselves from humanity from the humanity of the the objects and why we're doing what we're doing is supposed to be for the betterment of mankind yeah. and i think we have to apply those same kind that same thought process to technology just because we can doesn't mean we should and we have to remember what the purpose of all of this is is for the betterment of mankind and so is what we're doing actually uh, protecting humanity is it going to put us on a path to bettering humanity is it something that you know is good and right as we're doing it because sure maybe tearing somebody you know having somebody on your your uh your, your, your medical exam table and opening them up while they're awake and can feel all of the pain, maybe that's going to help you discover the cure for cancer, but that's a terrible way to go about it. Yeah, you, 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 can't, know? <laughs> you can't sacrifice right. the dignity of humanity for right. scientific advancement. That's right. Well, and, and see, we do what we do in our PA program mm -hmm. at North Greenville University is we have a virtual person that is, you know, you've got a, a table with a, 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 a literally a virtual person and you can do anything on that person that you could do to a live person, but it's mm -hmm. not, it's not hurting anybody, right. but, but it gives you now that's a, that's a way that technology has advanced to make us better. But as we go beyond that, there, there moral questions come into to, to play. Mm -hmm. For example, Elon Musk put it this way. He said that he he said that concerns are stemming from the idea that artificial intelligence technology is able to operate at a higher level than human intelligence. For example, ChatGPT is producing work that other technologies cannot detect as computer generated. Here's here's the problem. I mean, you something is being generated and you can't tell if it came from a human being or from a computer. And there are all kinds of problems associated with that. Mm -hmm. That means that a computer could put something out there that looks like you, that talks like you, mm -hmm. and says things that are totally not you. And if you can't detect that that's happened, if you can't detect that your identity's been hijacked by high mm -hmm. technology and that you're being portrayed as a particular person in public, uh, you're you're being projected into a particular environment when you're actually not there. But but it's not just that it looks like you. The Chat GPT PT can actually make a an image sound like you and talk like you. Did you see the thing where um, 
yeah, I, I can't remember who was doing it, but it was Daily Wire because they were doing Matt Walsh, mm-hmm. and they had a they had this Chat GPT recreated Matt Walsh. There's no way that if you, I, I, I don't know, it, it could probably have fooled some of his family family right. members. I didn't see that specific example, but I've seen others. And, I, you know, when you look at the overarching, like, what's the mood towards information right now? Yeah. It's all misinformation. Right. How does this help to bring clarity and divide, you know, lies from truth in the world? And misinformation from actual information. It, it doesn't. It just muddies the waters. It doesn't benefit uh, the situation at all. But see, the enemy loves chaos. God is not the author of chaos. The right. enemy loves chaos because he knows that's a breeding ground for distrust and driving a wedge between uh, the human heart and the Lord. Yes. And so this is one of those things that you look at and you just say, this does not benefit the gospel uh, or us as believers or humanity at all at this point. Now, yeah. maybe later on, it's, you know, later Until, on we can get there. Yeah, and the reason that it doesn't, I want to come back to this, is because of the Wall Street Journal poll that came out. Yeah. We've lost our moral capacity. Mm-hmm. When, when family, patriotism, and religious liberty or religion, when a, an adherence to a sovereign God goes out the window, what goes with it? the moral capacity to make right decisions related to this kind of technology. People mm-hmm. will use it for reasons that are way out of bounds, mm-hmm. and, and it's so dangerous that you, it's like the nuclear age. They're, they're describing this. As you can imagine somebody with no moral capacity for, for rightly discerning good and bad gets a hold of a nuclear weapon. They're going to kill a lot of people, a lot of innocent people. The same thing can be true with this level of technology. If people get a hold of it who don't have the moral capacity to understand the limits that need to be on it because of how dangerous it can be Mm -hmm. uh, in destroying people, destroying their lives, then until we gain that capacity, we've got to rein in what the technology can do, or it'll eventually just out, outrun us. So how do we do that? we got to take a break. I know, yeah, we got to take a break. And we'll come back and tell you how we're going to do it. <laughs> just <laughs> kidding. You got the answers? Just kidding. Hey. <laughs> we'll, we'll speculate. How about that? Okay, we're, we're talking about this AI explosion, mm-hmm. uh, the, the growth of artificial intelligence, and what it means for society if we can't rein it in as a people, if we can't get control of it because, and put, put a box around it. And, and let me say that the government's response to TikTok is not the way to do it. Because if you look at the bill that is being advanced and has the president's support, it's bipartisan. There are Republicans and Democrats that are pushing a bill that supposedly would simply rein in TikTok. Do you know what it actually does? It expands the Commerce Department's power over any agent, any country. If, if you've got a product being made by a foreign country that is at odds with the United States. Now, that's let's start with China, but that would include Russia. It would include Venezuela. It would include North Korea. It would include Syria. It would include, there'd be a lot of Iran. There'd be a lot of countries on that list. And if a product is being made and, and marketed, the Commerce Department would have the ability under this bill to monitor the activity of people who in this country who are using that product and then make recommendations to the president who could use executive power by 
this order. In other words, if this bill passes, you know, executive power by the executive branch um, and the writing of executive orders can be reined in just as President Biden has had to be reined in by the courts. But this legislation would empower him. It would mm-hmm. say that he has the right to exercise his executive power as commander-in-chief for the purpose of national security to act according to information that he's getting about people who are using TikTok, using maybe the Ring doorbell. Let's just use that as an example. If it's manufactured in China, if, if, the, if uh, the, the vast majority of its components are being made by a country that is hostile to the United States, then the Department of Commerce is going to be looking over your shoulder. That is not the way to rein in anything because what it's reining in is personal privacy and people's ability to live in their own space without the fear of government intrusion. And the thing is, is people, this is a difficult um, issue. And it's just like a lot of other difficult issues when it comes to tools. And by that, I mean the Internet. By that, I mean, you know, weapons. By that, I mean all of these things that are out there that in the hands of the wrong person become a bad tool, but in the hands of the right person become a good tool. A gun. Yes. You know, and this shooting that happened this week, it was the hands of a good man, good guy with a gun that stopped the guy, the bad guy with the gun and kind of situation. And so it's not the tool that's necessarily bad, but it's whose hands it's in. And it reminds me of is it John Adams who said that our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And see, we want the easy answer, which is for the government to just step in and draw lines in the sand. But the reality is, is we need the harder thing, which is heart change. Yes. And it's, it's easier as unbelievable as it may seem, it is easier to get the government to move on these kinds of things than it is for us to to put the boots on our feet and the gospel in our hands and get out there and, and endeavor to change the heart of men. The problem with progressives and conservatives over this issue is that progressives never miss an opportunity to expand the yeah. power of the government right. to curtail people's individual mm-hmm. rights. Because, uh, uh, believe this or not, and I know this is inflammatory, but, but we can't get past the fact that progressives are Marxist in their way of mm-hmm. thinking. They think that individual freedom is a threat to our collective good. Conservatives believe that individual freedom is the foundation for our collective good. So Mm -hmm. you've got progressives. We've got a problem, okay? We've got TikTok, and the Chinese are using TikTok to glean American uh, information on Americans and maybe undermine national security. So let's deal with TikTok, but that's not what progressives do. Progressives go, this is an opportunity, not just to deal with TikTok, but to expand this to so many other areas and empower another government agency to have the ability to interfere in the daily lives of Americans and to drive society toward their idea of what society ought to look like. That's the problem with progressives. The problem with conservatives is that we either don't see it or we let them get away with it. We think, okay, we got to do something. We got to do something about TikTok. This is the bill. This is the bill that's out there. Yeah, it's got some questions. It may not be the best, but but we got to do something. The government's got to step in. 
and conservatives ought to be screaming, and there are some that mm-hmm. are screaming about this bill over TikTok, TikTok, pointing out that it goes way beyond any particular app and it was going to affect so many people because of the power it mm-hmm. gives the Commerce Department. So. Yeah, the problem I talked, I think it was last weekend on my podcast that I talked about this, where I talked about, you know, it, the problem is, is that we we allow the premise as conservatives and the premise being, you know, for in this situation that it, the government needs to get involved in a social media app. And so when we uh, allow the premise or when we allow the premise of the government needs to shut everybody down for two weeks then it's very hard for us later on to come back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, you have to stop things at the premise and say, no, this is a bad situation, but the government, it is not necessary for the government to get involved right here. And unfortunately, we're really bad at doing that. Yeah, not, not too good, that's for sure.